You're listening to Van Fellen Duffy Legal News here on Waterberg Stereo. The program is sponsored by DeWitt and De Villiers Brokers. We're having a look at an interesting case today, I believe. I got Renilva Mahodielo, one of our candidate attorneys, with me. I asked her to have a look at a court order that was recently granted regarding a claim for damages based on a false accusation of rape. So, uh, yeah, welcome, Renewer, and uh, please tell us what were the facts that the court had to decide on. Thank you, sir. Um, the facts of the case are as follows. GC, who is the husband, had gone to a local casino on 17 September 2012 and spent the night at the hotel with his girlfriend. On the same evening, someone broke into JC's house, which is the woman, and raped her, tied her up on the kitchen table with a wire. She was rescued by her son, Ellie, the next day and called a friend. When asked who has done it, she blamed her ex-husband, GC. In her statement to the police, she referred to him as having mad eyes, saying he stared into my face and further threatened me. GC was arrested. He provided proof of receipt from the casino and hotel. The following day, Detectives drove to the hotel and viewed the video footage, which confirmed his alibi. However, he was still arrested. He then appeared in court where the matter was postponed for seven days, after which he was granted bail. The charges were eventually withdrawn a year later, and the appeal was lodged by the ex-husband, GC, against the ruling in the Western Cape High Court. The court dismissed his claims against his wife, GC, and his claims against the Minister of Safety and Security and the National Prosecuting Authority for wrongful arrest and detention. Okay, so those were the facts that the court then had to decide on. So the question is, should he now succeed with a claim for damages, the husband, in other words, against his ex-wife for these accusations of rape, which appeared to be false? So what did the court decide? Um in the Supreme Court of Appeal, five judges were presiding over the matter. The two judges, being Judge Ashton Shepherds and Caroline Nichols, pointed to evidence that JC, which is the woman, was scared of her ex-husband. After they had broken up, GC had stalked her and breached a family violence interdict she obtained against him. One witness told of how on the morning after the attack, he had gone to the house and saw that GC's left eye was bruised and her lips were swollen. The witness also said that JC was in shock. She was shaking and the place looked like a crime scene. The two judges continued to say that it was beyond question that GC suffered severe trauma at the time of the attack. The gross violation of the dignity, privacy, sanctity of her home and physical integrity must have been terrifying given the emotional state. There was a, It was a brutal, savage attack and the contention that she deliberately and falsely accused him strains credibility. On the fact that 
GC did not testify. The two judges said that the trial judge had concluded that she was unable to give evidence after observing her in the witness box, remarking that she looked like a frightened 16-year-old. Her belief that he was the attacker was reasonable in the circumstances in that the attacker must have been somebody familiar with the house and who knew how to gain access. The attack happened at night. The fire was out. She was surprised by her attacker who wore a cap. She associated him with most of her calamities and she was not the only one who believed that he was the attacker, the two judges said. The other three judges being Judge Azar Kakalia, Christian de Merve and Daniel Glodlo said by the end of the initial trial, there was no dispute that GC, the husband, the ex-husband, had attacked her and his alibi was beyond any doubt. The judges said that JC's lawyer sought to make the case that she honestly believed that he had attacked her and at the time she was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. In support of the case of JC, two expert medical witnesses, one being a psychiatrist, said that she believed that GC had been triggered when she was attacked. Judges Kakalia found fault in the reasoning of the High Court, saying it was almost impossible to glean and appear to rely on the medical experts, although consenting that they were not independent. The court perplexingly also assumed that lighting was poor at the time of the attack. It does concluded that objective independent evidence belies the presence of malice. The judges said that while JC had not testified. The court had accepted her police statement into evidence, failing to take into account that the marriage had ended acrimoniously and she had strong motive to falsely implicate GC, the husband. The court accepted that she was also too anxious to testify and that it was not a charade, but the most plausible and obvious explanation is that she must have realized that she would not be able to explain the false charge against her husband, the three judges said. The two judges said the evidence showed at the time that she was honestly, she honestly believed that he was the attacker, that she had been abused during her marriage, that she had been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, and according to the witnesses, the attack was trauma upon trauma, while the other three judges held that she is liable to pay him damages within the amount to be determined. The Supreme Court of Appeal had ruled that the woman who falsely accused her ex-husband of raping and beating her is liable to pay him damages for malicious prosecution and defamation. The three judges ruled that she should not escape liability for falsely accusing her ex-husband of the most heinous crime. All right, so it was a close call. No? The Supreme Court of Appeal had uh, held in favour of the woman. Um, the wife and uh, also even two judges of uh, the Supreme Court of Appeal. So uh, it's a case of three judges finding in favor of the ex-husband and uh, uh, two finding in favor of the ex-wife. So, uh, yeah, he uh, 
won the case based on that. Am I right? Yes, sir. All right. So, so what's the lesson we learn from this? In terms of Article 6 of Equality and Human Rights Commission, everybody has a right to a fair trial. But people should be aware of or try not to abuse the legal procedure. Malicious persecution, which the ex-husband was subjected to, is, the abu- is an abuse of the process of the court. And for every action, there is an equal consequence. Yeah. So I guess it also depends on the motive. No? If uh, your motive is just to report a crime, and uh, even if you make a mistake and uh, think that someone might be um, the suspect and you uh, even negligently uh, nominated someone or, or indicated to the police that someone might be involved and that later appeared not to be the case, I don't think you'll, uh, you'll um, have successful civil claims against you. But if your motive is vindictive to sort of take, um, take revenge after a divorce or whatever, which I guess is to an extent what these three judges came to the conclusion uh, of, then it's a different matter, and then you uh, might face some uh, civil, um, successful civil claims. All right. Thank you, uh, Renewa. Thank you, sir. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.